Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On today's podcast of the Clark Howard Show, I want to make sure that you are careful with your money when you're doing improvements at your home. There are some things going on with trying to buy supplies for your home that I want to make sure you know the price point problems, and I'm going to share that with you later. Right now, I want to talk about the junk phone calls that are a curse for so many of us. And did you know that the feds at the, there's an obscure agency called the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, that uh, it's obscure enough it's amazing how many people find their way to complain to the FCC about all the junk phone calls they get. And more than any other topic they ever get complaints about. So now the FCC has issued yet another rule to try to crack down on all the junk phone calls and now trying to compel the nation's major phone companies to actually help because one of the dirty little secrets about it is there are ways that they profit from all the junk phone calls and now they're under a federal order to do things to limit the number of junk phone calls you get but they're still going to continue i mean how many times do you get that junk phone call about how your warranty is expired on your car and you need to buy this, that, or the other piece of garbage, fake, extended warranty on your vehicle. I mean, the junk phone calls go on and on and on and on. And you think about how many junk phone calls that people got in 2020 from political campaigns. Those are protected speech. Those will continue when we get into our next election cycle that, thank goodness, isn't till next year. We've had enough of that, right? Actually, I say next year. Yeah, next year. We're back in another political season. But for the meantime, those will slow down. But the other ones, it'll be a while before it's really clear if the new federal initiative reduces the number of junk phone calls you get. But there are more and more tools to help you with that. T-Mobile is a cell phone carrier, has been the most involved in trying to reduce the number of scam phone calls or junk phone calls that even make it to your phone to ring. I've talked about UMail, which is a voicemail service and call screening service that blocks a lot of junk phone calls when they know they're coming in. And uh, a lot of Android phones now have a capability that first went to Pixels, which is Google's own phones, that when a phone call rings... It gives you accept, reject, or the third option is screen. And if you hit screen, the call is diverted to a message 
that says, you know, you, you got to, your call is being screened, leave a message, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it really helps cut down on you ending up taking UFO calls from a number that you don't recognize as friend or foe. I despise junk phone calls. And I have the meat axe version of how to deal with them. And what I do is if I don't recognize the caller, I do not answer the call no matter what. And I especially don't answer any call that shows up on caller ID being from any financial firm. Because I just take the position that any of those calls are likely to be junk if they're real they will leave me a message and I will be able to respond in time. But you got to be rough and tough here or else you end up with hassle or worse from a junk caller. You know, the people I feel worse for of anybody are people who are in sales and their cell phone is their lifeline to them earning a living and they have to answer every UFO call. And how rotten terrible is that for somebody in sales to have to have their time wasted by some scamster or junk phone caller tying up their line and keeping them from being able to earn a living? It's time for your questions. And Krista? Okay, I've got Houston in Kentucky. I thought you would like that, Clark. I do like that. (laughs) In a recent episode, you made a comment about Social Security actually being a benefit with a $1 to $3 ratio instead of Social Security being dollar for dollar. My question is, do you have any links or reading material? I could research more info on this. So uh, Social Security runs a deficit, but it's actually Medicare that's $1 paid in for approximately $3 in benefit. I saw something recently, where did I see that, that it's actually gone beyond one to three, that it's worse than that now for Medicare. We're way under collecting as much as you pay in Medicare and Social Security tax. It's hard to believe, but we are way negative on the amount of money being collected in tax dollars for Medicare versus what the cost is of providing that care to Medicare recipients. It is a subsidy of people on Medicare by people that are working, paying into the Medicare system, and we've got to balance those books. Now, there are uh, federal commissions that figure out each year when we're going to run out of money for Social Security, when we're going to run out of money for Medicare, and both funds in the most recent report show they're going to run short of funds sooner than they expected originally. In the case of Social Security, it's not nearly as out of whack as Medicare, and it's not anything like $1 paid in for every $3 in benefits. So Social Security is not going to run out of money. I mean, even in the worst-case scenario, if Congress never adjusted formulas, there would still be 75 cents approximately paid for every dollar promised for Social Security, which tells you just on the face of it that Social Security runs a minor deficit each year in terms of what's paid in 
versus what's needed, where the big issue is healthcare is the cost of Medicare versus what's collected for Medicare. Um, as for specific references, there are many, many um, pointy-headed think tanks that do this kind of research that you should be able to use whatever search engine you like, whether it's Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever, to come up with information that you would, uh, by reading a number of things, trust on the shortfall with these two programs. All right, Clark, Mike in Connecticut says, I'm a 43-year-old man with north of $300,000 in my 401k and $30,000 in my Roth IRA. Now my employer is offering a Roth 401k to me. My questions are, if I stop contributing to my normal 401k and move to the superior Roth 401k, would I be losing money or interest by starting over with the Roth? No, you don't lose anything because all your money in your traditional 401k is still in your traditional 401k, growing as it is, and future contributions you'd make would go Roth 401k. If your employer offers a match, their match is traditional, pre-tax. The money that you put in is post-tax. And I love the flexibility this gives you, where you'd have both a pre-tax pile of money later in life and a post-tax, where it helps you a lot with tax and spending patterns and planning when you're in retirement having both a pre-tax and a post-tax pile to pull from. Tax rates are unusually low right now and we're running very large budget deficits and we're an aging population which is why I believe we're going to see higher tax rates in the future not equivalent to what we have now and certainly not lower and that gives a special advantage to you switching to doing a Roth 401k. Clark, Mike in California says, I had a friend suggest an app called privacy.com that allows users to link a bank account to their service to create one-time use credit card numbers for an online purchase. You have to provide your bank account username and password to use the service. Do you recommend this type of thing? Highly. Privacy.com is doing a great thing to protect the payment system and to protect you from hassle and possible temporary problems with accessing your funds. I love one-time use cards. There are credit card issuers that offer that as just a service with their cards. Not enough do that. Privacy.com is a good way for you to get it done. And we have an article about using Privacy.com at Clark.com. Coming straight ahead on today's podcast, I'm going to fill you in on how to deal with the current shortage of appliances and other things we want for our homes. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know, I love things that are free. How about things that are free that are really great? Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com both have daily newsletters where we give you all kinds of information and advice for your wallet 
the Clark Deals newsletter, up-to-the-minute ways you can buy things at special deals. And something that has been anything but a special deal for the last 9, 10 months have been appliances. If you're not aware, the appliance industry has been in total turmoil because of coronavirus. Factories around the world involved in manufacturing of appliances were shut down at various phases uh, during the pandemic, and a lot of supply houses that make components that would go to final assembly for appliances were shut down, and then in turn they couldn't make those appliances. And then people have been home so much more than normal, and a lot of people have rediscovered that houses have things called stoves, ovens, cooktops, refrigerators, dishwashers, and so appliances that were like never being used by people who perma-ate out have been getting a lot of use. I just wish you could have been a fly on the wall the other night when I was fixing family dinner. I am pitiful at it. I mean, I never had any interest in cooking, was never any good at it, and have gotten no better during coronavirus. In fact, the only thing I've learned to do is to make angel hair pasta, noodles, spaghetti, heat up sauce for it, and that even is a struggle for me to do. I'm just terrible. But other people have learned to love it. I have a brother who uh, he and his wife always ate out, and now they cook almost all their meals, and they've discovered they really enjoy the whole thing of shopping for the groceries and preparing them and cooking them and eating what they've come up with. And my brother has lost a substantial amount of weight from eating at home instead of eating out. But with all this at-home activity, you've got this perfect train wreck. You have the appliance supply far below normal in terms of what's being manufactured and appliances wheezing and giving out. So when you look at the sales, they're basically non-sale sales now from the big appliance sellers nationally, Home Depot and Lowe's. Then we've got all the regional appliance sellers, local appliance sellers. Inventory access is very poor. And so you've got to be extremely flexible. And one thing I've always liked, not related to the pandemic at all, is buying scratch and dents. You know, when a washer-dryer is on the floor and it's discounted because it's got a big ding in the side, that is my lucky day. When a refrigerator's got uh, a mark on it, as long as it's not on the front, a little dent, great. Anything scratch and dent, that's my kind of thing. And I saw a suggestion from Consumer Reports. If you are particular brand name oriented, there's a particular style you like and all that, go ahead and order it for a back order. And in the meantime, check other places, check prices, check sales, and you may find there's another that you'll be happy with. And producer Joel did something he hadn't done in forever. 
was it your dishwasher that croaked yeah dishwasher and normally uh, you just buy a new one for a few hundred bucks right right exactly but couldn't find one had to get it fixed and and even apparently i was talking to the to the repairman and he said that oftentimes um, right now those parts just to fix a dishwasher are in short supply so i was lucky to be able to get fixed quickly because i don't want to wash dishes by hand man <laughs> i hate doing that not my thing at all so the shortages are going to continue for a while till the assembly lines are not having the outbreaks of coronavirus. So this, like so many other things, will self-heal later in 21 as we get enough vaccines in people's arms and we kick coronavirus eventually to the curb. But for probably the next six to eight months, you're going to have to be really, really flexible on getting those appliances that you need to get and it could end up doing what joel did and pay to fix something because i mean who fixes appliances generally people don't there are very few repair people available because when an appliance typically croaks we ditch it and get a new one but right now again that's another example of needing to be more flexible all right, Clark, let's get to some questions. Uh, Patrick in Georgia says, I recently had a homeowner's claim as a result of an Airbnb guest flooding my downstairs. Oh. <laughs> Airbnb immediately accepted liability, and I requested that their insurance rep meet me on site to inspect the damage. Since the meeting, Airbnb has made a seemingly random and incomplete offer, and they've refused to send uh, the estimate over to me. Airbnb is pressing me in emails to respond to the link and accept their final offer and suggesting that they're closing their file and they might withdraw the offer altogether. What are my rights in this situation? You get on social media fast. You start slamming Airbnb every place you can. Airbnb is growing, uh, well, before the pandemic, growing exceptionally fast, less so now. Airbnb misbehaves over and over and over again, which is so true of fast-growing enterprises. And social media is one thing they fear. You know, by them hiding you in darkness with the only option available to you, arbitration, you have a very weak hand to play. And they play tough. So you play tougher. And what I do recommend is you immediately file for arbitration against them and you notify them in their final offer that you have gone crazy posting on social media and you're going to do as much reputational harm to them as you possibly can. Now, that is said by a non-lawyer. Krista, you're freaking out. <laughs> no, I can tell. no, no, no. I get so annoyed with how Airbnb is being so piggy. They have been so successful and they basically have uh just peripheral competition and with that success and with the lack of direct competition comes arrogance cultural and corporate arrogance and airbnb needs to behave itself and a situation like this where they say to somebody renting one to somebody who's an owner of a unit oh don't worry we got you covered we got you protected but then when the chips are down they really don't one thing that you should do as well, get your own independent estimates of what it'll cost to repair that space that was ruined by the Airbnb guest, and you submit that to them as well to show that their offer is ridiculously low. 
All right, Clark, Don in North Carolina says, I want to share a credit union success. We took out a 15-year, three and a quarter percent mortgage from a broker in 2017. Last December, our credit union offered a no-closing cost refi to 10 years at 3%, which we jumped on. They have a mortgage modification, which Clark hasn't talked about in a while, and we lowered our mortgage to two and a quarter percent with no closing costs in October, and they adjusted our monthly payments without resetting to 10 years. If rates go down, we can change again with no costs. I wanted to be sure your listeners were made aware of this. I can't thank you enough for bringing this up because I never talk about this because what we're talking about is what's called in-portfolio loans, which are a tiny, tiny sliver of the mortgage market. And what an in-portfolio loan is, is that most mortgages are sold off into Wall Street. So the ownership changes many times, and the original place you got the loan just basically made the loan, and then they wash their hands of it. So credit unions, particularly that do these short 7- and 10-year fixed-rate mortgages, uh, there's not much of a market to buy those. Those are kept in portfolio. Credit unions are owned by the members for the benefit of the members. So the credit union's holding that on their books. They're able to, on on their own, in their own internal system, say, yep, you're right, rates went down, we're lowering your rate. No cost, no application again, nothing like that. With most mortgages, them being sold off in the secondary market, your only option is to refi, and this is yet another advantage of a credit union. And think about it, in short order, you went from three and a quarter to three to two and a quarter, and the move to two and a quarter costs nothing from what you had at three. That is a great story. And you will hear more great stories on every podcast. If you just found your way here and you've not subscribed to our podcast, join us on the Clark Howard Show five days a week. Just hit subscribe.